planning together. Let's open our Bibles again to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to thank uh, my beautiful wife for ministering the word on Sunday. Amen. What a great job ministering the word. I was sitting in the airport getting excited. Amen. Watching the word. Amen. Listening and, and enjoying what she was sharing. Um, nothing just happens. That's the truth. Nothing just happens. Hallelujah. And laziness casts into deep sleep. Hallelujah. It's interesting, Dan and I just were talking about that same verse the day before. About laziness casting into deep sleep. And um, idle man will suffer hunger. And nothing just happens. We can have faith, but faith without works is dead being alone. One man will say, show, I'll show you my uh, faith without my works. And I'll say, say, I'll show you my faith by my works. See, faith always has works attached to it. Amen. And so that's something you, have, you don't have to do. And God wants to bless us. You know, the Bible is not a, a complicated book. And uh, there are no twi- uh, trick questions in the Bible. Amen. Uh, it's very simple. Do this and I'll do this. <laughs> that's what God says. You, if, you, if you do this, I'll do this. It's pretty simple. Amen. But we have to do something. Amen. Praise God. So thank you again, Pastor Kim, and all those who served on that Sunday, uh, carrying on the service. Amen. All right. Are you in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12? Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. When you get there, say amen. Amen. If you don't have a New King James Version, uh, we have that on the screen for you. All of our uh, viewers at home, uh, you'll be reading along with us. All right, ready, read. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Tonight we're talking on, this is part four, and the last of these parts, on uh, equipped for the work of the ministry. Equipped for the work of the ministry. Can you say amen? Amen. Our Father, our God, tonight we give you thanksgiving. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to spend this time in your word. I pray that each person tonight who's gathered and those who even gathered around their, uh, their various screens, that God, that each person will have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts. That the word of God may be sown upon good ground and produce the harvest that you sent it to produce. And I pray, Father, you give me divine utterance to speak things I've not thought. Give me divine unction, unction to flow in ways I've not already seen. And I pray that, God, you confirm the word with signs following in our lives. I thank you, Father. That the people receive the word, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, your word, the word of God, which works effectively in those who believe. We believe it. So speak to us from heaven, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right. Equipped for the work of the ministry. Now, my, my wife and I have been praying and believing God and uh, really celebrating some movement in this area already that uh, we've been praying for God to bring us um, a multi-generational group of people. Uh, who are ready to do the work of the ministry, uh, that God uh, has people in this city, in this region, who he's gonna, he is bringing to this place, linking us together arm in arm, and giving Pastor Kim and me and others the uh, responsibility of training and equipping and leading the charge uh, to get people to go in and do the work of the kingdom. Uh, over in, I believe it's 1 Kings, I think 1 Kings 20, somewhere around there, there's a story of um, 
when Ahab is, is facing a, a battle, y'all remember King Ahab? Yes. He's facing a battle, Jezebel's husband, uh, and, and a battle, and um, uh, the, the, he, he, he's, it's a big battle that he cannot win on his own. And the prophet tells him, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to send out, um, gather your young leaders, yes. the young leaders of the prophets together. And uh, they're going to charge in the battle. And, and he said, well, okay, well, who's going to lead them? And he said, you are. Mm -hmm. So you're not just going to get young leaders to go. You have to lead them. So you, um, we're going to mix the old and the young together. Yes. We need the wisdom of the old and the, and the strength of the young. Yes. So I'm so grateful that God is bringing us to us uh, what we call a couple of, uh, in the kids' terms, old heads. He's bringing some young people who have some youthful vitality and energy and a desire and a courage and a, and a bravery that sometimes gets lost in when people have been in church their whole lives. And uh, we need people who are ready to go and do this thing that God's given us to do. Amen? And so he's calling people into ministry, and many of you have accepted that call. And so, again, our job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Amen? And so God's been giving us over the last three weeks, and now including tonight, four weeks, um, this teaching on what it looks like or what it takes to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Because God doesn't want anybody going out and failing. He don't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to go out there and keep busting your head. He doesn't want you to go out there and embarrass yourself and much less embarrass the kingdom of God. He wants you, to, you and me to go out there going forth, conquering and to conquer. He wants you and me to go out there winning. He wants you and me to go out there in authority and dominion. But we must be equipped for the work of the ministry. Amen? So we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 4. If you look at that again, please, Ephesians 4, <clears throat> verse 11 and 12. And it says, and he himself gave, he himself being Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, we call that, again, the fivefold ministry. Uh, if, if you call it fourfold, you won't be uh, off base. It doesn't matter to me whether you call it fivefold or fourfold. Uh, but for the sake of, of argument, the fivefold ministry. And they are, again, name them again the who? Apostles, come on. Prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. The apostles are the governing uh, part of that fivefold ministry. The apostles are the governing part of that. Okay? Apostles govern. Um, then the, the prophets are the guiding part of that ministry. Prophets are the guiding part of the ministry. Remember he said he gave us all this for the equipping. So it's important that you know that these aren't just names that people wear, titles on a business card or on their doors in their offices. Here's who they gave, who God, Jesus gave us, and here's what they do. Now, y'all look at me like, I, like you already know this, but you don't know this. Okay, and I've not given this to you already, so this is new. So apostles, again, are the governing part of that fivefold ministry. Apostles govern. Then the prophets guide. Prophets guide. Prophets give direction. They, they're seers. Uh, the sons of Issachar uh, understood the certain times and knew what Israel ought to do. Okay? And then we have uh, the evangelists who are the gatherers. They're in charge of gathering. They gather people. So we have the govern government, the governors. We have the, the, the guiders, all right? Guidance. We have the gatherers. Then we have the pastors. 
pastors are guarders. They guard. Pastors are the guarding ministry. The guarding ministry. Pastors are here for your protection. Thank you. I got one. That's right. Pastors are here for your protection. Amen. And you have a, this, this, see, this, this is big because today, in today's church, people have this, this misconception that you don't need pastors and you don't need these leaders. Uh, I can be fine by myself. But if you, if you did, if you could, he would not have given them to us. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm a strong proponent of, of trying to save every part of your body God gave you. <laughs> you know, doctors are quick to try to cut things off and cut things out. And I, I'm not picking on you if you get things cut off and cut out. But I'm a strong proponent as, as long as you can, if you can, keep everything. Because they like to say, well, that part's not that important. But I believe if God put it there, then that part has a function. It functions for something. And normally you find when they cut something out, they tell you, well, you, this is going to be this little adjust, adjustment. Uh, you're going to go to the bathroom a little more often, you know, uh, when you get that urge. Don't, don't wait now because, you know, your gallbladders come out, so don't wait. When you, feel, when you feel it coming, go ahead and go. Right? Hallelujah. Tonsils, people have those taken out. Now, I don't know what they're for, but if God put them there, I'll assume there's a reason. So if God gave us apostles and he gave us prophets and evangelists, and pastors. So he gave us governance, right? He gave us guidance. He gave us gatherers. He gave us now guardians, the guards. Then he also gave us teachers, which are the grounders. Their, the job of teachers is to ground us, right? So, so when we, we, when we are, are in the word, we come and we are in the word of God, uh, we get, have to get grounded in the word. That's why God gives us teachers. Teachers don't get up and do much squalling and hauling. Teachers are going to walk you through. And teachers will sometimes have PowerPoint and a little display. And little, they'll have little object lessons, right? Why? Because they're trying to get you to learn something. Because they're trying to get word in you. Because when you walk out, you need word. So everybody understand those five parts now. Apostles are what now? All right, prophets are what? All right, uh, evangelists are what? Okay, pastors are what? And teachers are what? And say, I need all five. Now why? He says, for the equipping of the saints. So it takes all five to equip. It takes all five to equip. It takes all five also to edify. Are you following me? Okay. So we talked about that, this word equip, and I'm giving you a abbreviated definition tonight. That word equip uh, comes from the Greek word katartismos, which comes from another word, another Greek word katartizo, which means to complete, it means to repair, it means to adjust. You know, I've abbreviated this, right? To, to prepare, to make one what he ought to be. So that's what uh, the assignment of the fivefold ministry is, is to make us what we ought to be. Amen? Which means, implies that we don't start out what we ought to be. We don't start out complete. We don't start out already having the adjustments already set. We don't come to Jesus Christ already having it together. Can anybody testify to that? I didn't come to him having it all together. Amen? He's making me constantly what I ought to be. The more I con uh, consume the word, the more I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. Amen? All right. 
So just let's review here again real quick. Continue this review here. So we started out on our part one. We taught on that cuss word. Submission. Submission, right? Submission. Everybody say submission. submission. We said submission teaches obedience and equips us for leadership, right? So we are taught and trained to submit, and people don't want to submit. You know, they don't even use that in marriage vows now. Everybody wants to write their own marriage vow and sing marriage vows, all that kind of stuff. Amen. And um, that's all good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And... Um, but submission is important in every area of our lives. It's important as children. It's important as uh, students. It's important as, as civilians in, 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 a, in, a, in a society. Submission is important in the church. It's, it's important in marriage. It's important in family. And submission is important to every part of our lives because it's teaching us obedience and it's equipping us for leadership. A child who never learns to submit as a child will never know how to lead as a parent. That makes sense to you? And so we saw how in Luke 2, 51 and 52, how Jesus Christ, when he was already aware of his divine calling, it says he went down uh, with them being his parents and came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them, submitted to them. And the Bible says, but his mother kept all these things in her heart, and as a result of his submission, verse 52 says, and he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If you want to increase in wisdom and stature and favor, you must submit to those who are in authority over your life. Amen. Amen. So it's no wonder the devil fights so hard in this area of submission because he knows submission prepares you. Remember that man uh, who says uh, he was a man in authority and a man having people uh, under him? He's under authority and have people under him. So he's in submission to somebody over him. And because he's submitted, he now has authority delegated to him to be over someone else. That's how it works. Tell your neighbor, that's how it works. Okay? So submission to leadership is for our development and our protection. I'm, I'm, I'm going over this because this is our last time looking at this. All right? Now, our next cuss word was service. 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 Amen. Service trains us in humility and releases grace needed for greater ministry. All right, I, I added a little something. It releases grace that's needed for greater ministry. Okay, we, looked, we talked about how Joshua, Joshua was called by God. Um, God inaugurated Joshua himself. But yet Joshua had to serve Moses. Over 10 years, he served Moses. We saw how, uh, how Eli was served by Samuel. It's all right. That's all right. That's all right. She'll meet you in the back. She'll meet you in the back. <laughs> Praise God. We saw how Samuel served Eli. Samuel was called from a, from a baby. I mean, he was dedicated to God from a baby. And, and, uh, and his, his mother gave him there to serve in the house along with Eli to serve the Lord uh, through by serving Eli. To serve the Lord by serving Eli. Hallelujah. It's, it's interesting that, you know, so many people fail to get their children involved in serving. And when are you going to get them to serve? When they're 20? When they're, when they're 35? No, start them now. Start them serving right now. Y'all quiet. But Eli, uh, uh, Samuel was taken to the, to the, to the, to the uh, temple as soon as he was weaned. As soon as he was off breast milk, he was down there serving. I mean, I don't know what he could do as a little boy, but 
Obviously, there was something he could do. And so don't wait till your children are 25 years old and then try to get them to learn serving. Too late. They've already formed a mindset of not serving. And it's locked in by then. Amen. So start them at a young age. So Samuel served Eli. We've talked about how David served Saul, how Elisha served Elijah. And they all served. They were trained up for ministry. But then we also said, I'm going to close here on that part, that no matter how high you go, you never stop serving. Right? Jesus Christ, we read in John 13, 5, how he washed the disciples' feet. Here is the son of God, son of man, and uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's still serving. Right? He said in, in Mark, Mark 10, 4 to 5, he said, the son of man did not come to serve, or come to be served, but to what? Serve. serve come on. And give himself as a ransom for many. So he didn't come here to be served. Now, he knew who he was. But he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So no matter who you think you are or who we, who we may become, and God wants us all to be someone special. We, we are all important to God out of the womb. Okay? You understand that? But as we, as we grow in, and progress in the things of God and we um, uh, attain to higher places, higher levels uh, of authority in the kingdom, you never stop serving. Because remember, the humble child, uh, that's what my dad just said. That's not how the scripture reads. Um, but he gives grace to the humble. That's, how, that's what the Bible says. God gives grace to the humble. I was about to quote my dad. Amen. My natural father. Amen. All right, so submission and in service. And last week, we hit on another, turn out to be a cuss word, study. 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 Everybody say study. That's very important because I said this last week. Biblical knowledge gives you a foundation and anchor for ministry. Because it's dangerous to be gifted and not grounded in the word of God. Okay? So there are many people who are gifted. God gives gifts. To every, in fact, he, the Bible says he's given every one of us a gift. Right? 1 Corinthians 12. He's given every one of us a gift. So we all have gifts. Tell your neighbor, you have gifts. Notice I didn't say a gift. I said you have gifts. So you're gifted. You're gifted right now. I said you're gifted right now. Not one day when somebody comes and lays hands on you. You're gifted right now. Hallelujah. But it's dangerous to be gifted and not grounded in the word of God. Because ignorance will always lead to goofiness. If you're ignorant about the word of God, you'll be goofy. Y'all understand? Are y'all following me? Because, because people, especially in today's time, get so caught up in uh, being spirited and spiritual and looking for some uh, spectacular feeling, some sort of um, tangible, some sort of uh, sense evidence. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Be people aren't walking by faith. They're walking by sight. And even in the church, they want to get some kind of tangible, I want to feel something. Or I gotta, uh, if I lay hands on you, you got to fall out. Or else you, if you didn't fall out, you didn't get anything. We never read about Jesus Christ not getting anybody out. I'm just, I'm just saying we never read about him in the word of God knocking anybody out when he laid hands on people. We, never, we just never read it. But yet in the church, if people don't fall out, we ain't had a good time. Y'all quiet, y'all must be some of them. 
I'm just telling you, see, what happens is if you get caught up in the spectacular, you think spectacular is supernatural, but supernatural is not always spectacular. When Elijah was, God was going to speak to Elijah and, and the earthquake came, he wasn't in the earthquake, that was spectacular. In the fire, he wasn't in the fire, that was spectacular. But he was in the still small voice, nothing spectacular about it. There was nothing spectacular about it. Hallelujah. You see, are you following what I'm saying to you? But see, if you don't uh, get yourself grounded in the word of God, you'll be, you'll be goofy before long. And that's why it's so imperative that you and I study the Bible. Study the Bible. Ephesians 4.14 talks about be not children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So he gives us these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Remember, the pastors are going to guard you. Teachers are going to ground you. So you're not tossed to and fro. Right, right, right. Is there enough YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok prophets out there to have you way off on some roller coaster in life? And the, the, the straight up word your pastor gives you carries no more weight in your life because, because he didn't give it with a, a, a ooh. I'm just telling you how people are. People need a hooter hooter or else they don't they think God hadn't moved. Preach, man of God. Preach. It's dangerous to be seeking the hooter hooter. You know the hoo. I gonna feel something. And you I'm telling you, because the devil can make you feel something too. I've heard people testify, talk about, now I think it's a little goofy sometimes when I hear this kind of stuff. It can go way out there. But I've heard folk testify about how the devil came and made love to them in their bed. This is Christians. I, this is, I hear Christians talking like that. The devil came and made love to them in their bed. The devil. And I'm saying, wow, the devil? You, you a Christian? You, you a Christian? And the devil made love to you in your bed. Now, how do they, because they can't see anything like that in the Bible. There's, there's no, see, listen, listen to me, and I see the way some of y'all looking at me. There's no biblical precedence for any of that stuff. And so, if, well, this, it's a new day, and it's a, we got a new, a new revelation. No, 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 no. No, there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes says, Ecclesiastes 3 says, what has been will be. And what has been will be required again. God always does things the way he's done them. Oh, no. He, he do, he does a, he's going to do a new thing. He might do, it, do a new thing, but it's going to be the same way. Y'all, see, 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 y'all, y'all, I'm telling you, you right, you real close to Goofy. You real close, you real close to Goofy. Well, you know, people there, they've left their church, and now they're, in, they're out, of, out living in some, some um, uh, commune somewhere, waiting on a comet to come. I'm just telling you. See, if you don't get grounded, anyway, that's not this one. Hallelujah. 
2 Timothy 2.15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's why I encourage, because, you know, we have a generation that didn't go to Sunday school, didn't, you know, didn't do Bible band and sunshine band and no, no sort of methodical training. We have a, 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 a people who never went to vacation Bible school. Right? And so and when you don't have any biblical foundation, anything that anybody says sounds good, sounds right. But if you don't run it, scan it through the word of God, run it by the author of the word, who's the Holy Ghost, then you'll go believing something and, and you, what people do, people do this, Deacon Mac, all of a sudden now people will be sitting in the pews with a new revelation and now they pastor don't know anything. Oh, my, my pastor, he don't, he don't know enough. So now I got to leave and find another church because my pastor don't know enough. No, your pastor knows a thousand times more than you do. You learn two nuggets of wrong information. I'm just telling you. This, this, is, this is people are being tricked out of church. Tricked out of, out of sound, fundamental teaching. Because it's not spectacular. In fact, one of the biggest tricks is the end is this. People, people get caught up in the teaching that's going to make every, put everything on God. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. And you take, take this candle and light this candle in the church and, and put this candle behind your bed and God's going to do it for you. Don't do nothing but burn your house down, baby. Not, not, not follow, not follow scriptural teaching and methodology and know nothing just happens. You must work with God and do what God says. And whatever he says will not contradict what he said. All right. Now, again, that's why I'm going to say this one more time. That's why I talked about last week, you know, I made a big deal about Bible school. And, you know, I, I want to just make sure that you all know this is clear. I didn't bring up Bible school, and I don't bring it up because we're trying to raise money. We make, in fact, we lose money on every student. Every student that enrolls in Bible school, we lose money. Because what, what we charge goes directly to the company that we're getting the, 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 the curriculum from. We don't, we don't keep not a penny of it. It actually costs us money because we're paying somebody to run the program. So I'm not trying to raise money. We don't even make money on, on HPCA, on the, on the school we have. We lose money every day on the school we have. My wife has apologized, baby. I know we're, we're the only ministry in the church that's costing money. Yep, that's, the only, that's right. That's right. It, it costs us money. But it's, it's the investment in the youth in their education to give them a biblical worldview. <laughs> All right. So submission service study. Let's do this last one. Number four, stewardship. 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 
Can you say stewardship? stewardship. Can you spell it? Stewardship. I was just, I was, I was kidding. I was kidding. I was, I was kidding. I was kidding. Get all about it. Stewardship. Ministries and mantles require good management. Ministries and mantles, remember we got these mantles, right? They require good management and proper stewardship. And that's why, as I've tried to show you this before, God always evaluates before he elevates. Did you catch that? He always evaluates before he elevates. He always inspects and observes. He watches. He observes to see what we're made of, how, how we operate before he elevates. Because he's not going to, remember, he's not going to set you up to fail, nor is he going to set the kingdom up to fail. So he's got to make sure that he evaluates and has the right people uh, ready to elevate and put in positions that where they can handle the responsibility of ministry. Glory to God. Glory to God. First Timothy 1.12, Paul says this, And I thank Christ, Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me. He has what? Enabled me. Why? Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So notice, he wasn't put into the ministry. He wasn't enabled until he was counted faithful. So that means God observed uh, Paul's life, observed how he operated, observed what kind of person he was. Paul was a tenacious person. Paul was a, a, a diligent person. Paul was a fervent, a zealous person. He was doing it in all the wrong way, but that's the makeup that he had. And so God brought him over into the kingdom knowing that Paul wouldn't change his, his personality, his character. He just changed how he used that. He channeled it now for the kingdom of God. So God's going to observe you and me and watch us to see how we operate before he elevates us into places of ministry. And sometimes we want, many people want God to put them in a place of ministry that they're not uh, prepared for. That if, he, if God put us there, we would fail and make ourselves look bad and make his kingdom look bad. And he doesn't want his kingdom look, to look bad. Notice he wants us to look bad. So sometimes God won't let us go up because he's protecting us. The, the reason God may not give you the three-bedroom house because he knows the one-bedroom house is, is whipping your tail right now. It's, it, you're trying to keep that clean and it's, it's, it's just dusty everywhere. And, hmm? Because he knows you like to shop instead of paying your light bill. And the, and, and the, and the light bill on three bedrooms is going to be much more than the light bill on the one bedroom. So I'm going to hold you right here till you get it together. I'm going to come over on this side. I'm going to hold you right here until you get it together. Now once you get it together, now I can elevate you to more responsibility. See, you're, you're thinking it's a bigger house. Yes, but it's more responsibility. You're thinking it's a nicer car. Yes, but it's more responsibility. You're, you're thinking, oh, I'm just getting married now. Yes, but it're more responsibility. You're thinking, oh, I want to have kids now. Yes, but they are more responsibility. 
I want my business to grow. I want my business to grow. Yes, but it's more responsibility. I want a promotion on my job. Yes, I want you to have it too, but it's more responsibility. So I can't, I can't elevate you there until you prove yourself a good steward here. That's why the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings because it's in that small beginnings that you get to practice. You get to work some things out. You get to learn systems and flowing, systems and flowing, operation and, and how things need to be done. And you get to organize and, and, and make, make yourself efficient and, and arrange your time and schedule your life around this because you know once you go from addition to multiplication, it's the same process, just faster. I've been teaching my son how to drive uh, for a little, little while now, and uh, he's got his, his driver's, driver's uh, permit, you know, learning permit, and he's excited one day he's going to, you know, pretty soon, uh, going to get his, his uh, uh, regular uh, operators and so forth. And so I, I let him drive me around everywhere, everywhere, amen, because I don't like to drive. Since you want to learn to drive so bad, you're driving everywhere. And uh, so, so uh, I, I'm trying to get him ready, and i I always talk to him and teach him little things. Well, last week, I snuck him on the interstate. I snuck him on. I've been asking him for weeks, hey, you want to get on the interstate? No. No, you want to get on the interstate? No, no, no. So last week, I said, I got him. I, I planned out a, a course in my mind to get from where we were to home. And I said, okay, we're going to get on that because I know it's, it's going to be easy to come home. I said, turn here, turn here, turn here. He didn't know where we were going. I said, get on right there. Boom, we got on right there. Oh, that's the interstate. <laughs> that, yes, that's the interstate. It's the same way as it is on this regular road. Just go faster. Come on now. Come on. I said, it's the same thing you do out here on the regular road. Just go faster. And you see we're still here, right? We're still here. So everything went just fine. Right? But he had to... He had to prove to me that he could handle the regular road before I elevated him up on an interstate. Okay? Because this, this wasn't, wasn't remote control. I was in the car. So I, I wasn't going to let him kill himself or me. So God's not going to let you embarrass yourself or him. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Okay, so Paul said, I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord, who, uh, Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Look at Luke 16, please. Look at Luke 16. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Luke 16, I'm going to look at verses 10, 11, and 12. Luke 16, verses 10, 11, and 12. Hallelujah. God, he wants to elevate every one of us. Every one of us. Hallelujah. But we must be found faithful. Are you in Luke 16? Verse 10 says, this is Jesus, words in red here. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. So notice Jesus is saying this is a characteristic of a person. If you're faithful in the little, I know you'll be faithful in much because it's not the little or the much, it's the faithfulness. 
So it doesn't matter the variableness of the quantity. It's, it's, the, it's the consistency of your quality. That was good. That was good. Not the variableness of quantity. It's the consistency of your quality. He's, it doesn't matter to him if it's little or much. He's looking for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. He knows if I find you faithful in the little, I know you'll be faithful in the much. Are y'all seeing that? Everybody say stewardship. He says here, and he who is unjust or wrong, mishandling in what is least, is unjust also in much. So I know if you are unscrupulous, have no integrity, have no, um, no, no honor in the little, I know if I put a million dollars in your hand, you keep praying for it, but I know if I put a million dollars in your hand, you, you're going you gonna to do folk dirty. Because if you're stingy now with $20, you're going to be stingy with them. People, people tell me all the time, Pastor Boy, if I get a million, I've heard people say this. Now, they're not here. Pastor, if I get a million, boy, I'm, I'm a tithe. I'm a tithe, boy. I'm going to bless the church. I remember we had one lady tell me, one, one lady told me, she said, Pastor, she was about to get some money. She said, Pastor, she's going to get my money. I'm, she said she's, she's going to carpet the whole church. They must have dropped this carpet off somewhere else. It never made it to this church. I had, I had a guy, the other couple, I had a couple tell me, bold-faced lie, bold-faced lie. Oh, we're doing real estate, and we're gonna, every, the first house we buy every year, we're going to give the first house to the church. Bold-faced lie. Never, never got house, money from a house, tithe off a house, offer from a house, nothing from the house. Because if you're, see, if, if you, if you don't, if, see, you are who you are. Verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, unrighteous mammon is talking about money. Then if you don't, if you don't know how to handle that, how will you be trusted with true riches? So money isn't even true riches. That's why I keep telling you, money is the least in the kingdom of God. God has bigger, better things than money. Okay? Look at verse 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, now we see it here. If you've not been faithful in somebody else's, who will give you what is your own? You, you borrow somebody else's car. You mean you, you're not going to wash the car and clean it out before you bring it back? Put some gas in it. Listen, my, my wife and I, we, we, we rent cars. Whenever we travel, we rent cars. Before we take that car back, it's through the car wash. We've washed it. We've wiped it down. We've vacuumed it. It smells good. It looks, it looks better when we take it back than it did when we picked it up. I ain't doing all that. That's why you got to rent just to get around town. I'm talking about, see, because if you're not faithful in someone else's, who's going to give you your own? Hallelujah. Are y'all hearing me? So faithful in the least, faithful in another man's. That's why we talked about uh, submitting. 
and serving and studying. It, it shows a faithfulness in you. And when you do that, then you're positioned to go higher in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? Now, let's, let's get in here, sir. I got 17 minutes left. Okay. Why is this stewardship so important? We've, we've covered submission. We've covered service. We've covered um, study. Why is stewardship so important? It's because God in ministry is going to entrust you with kingdom resources. Wow. You see, there was no hoot hoot on that. That's just simple, straight. God is going to entrust you and me with kingdom resources. He's going to put, see, he's not going to put you in ministry and not put something in your hand or in your head or in your heart. If you're going to serve God in ministry, he's going to always be looking to get something into your hand, into your head, and into your heart. There's going to be uh, finances in your hand. And if you're not a good steward, you're going to mess it up. There's going to be revelation knowledge that comes into your head. And if you're not a good steward, you're going to mess it up. There's going to be things that God, a kingdom mystery is going to reveal in your heart. And if you're not a good steward, you're going to mess things up. So you and I must be found to be a good stewards who can handle the resources God puts in our hands. I wonder if y'all realize that. I wonder if you realize that. That when God puts you in ministry, he's going to put things. He's going to, um, um, uh, he's, you're going to serve in ministry. He, he, he'll, he's going to start out with stuff like, Trusting you with a key to the church. And some folk can't steward the key to the church. Where are your keys? Oh, I lost my, I know my, I don't know my keys. You lost the keys to the kingdom? You mean, wait, what you mean you lost the key, the key you lost the keys to the church? This is God's building. You lost the keys to God's house. Come on. Or, 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 you got the keys, never lost them, but your friend wanted to come by the church and walk around. So, oh, I, I got the keys. I, come on, I, I got the keys. I got the keys. You can come on in here. I, I, I got the keys. See, that's taking license and liberties that you've not been given. You're showing you're not a good steward. Because if the key was placed in your hand, you're entrusted to protect, guard this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all looking at me all... I took my glasses off because I, I don't want to see how you're looking. This is, everything just looks kind of blurry right now. That's where I want it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I will be entrusted. God will entrust me with kingdom resources, ladies and gentlemen. Remember when, the, when, the, when, when the, in Acts 6, oh, man. In Acts 6, when um, uh, the Grecian widows were complaining because they weren't getting 
uh, their fair share, their, their share they felt of the, of the goods that were going out, the supply. And, and the, uh, the apostle said, hey, we can't go take care of this. How about you guys find seven men among you who are uh, full of faith and the Holy Ghost, uh, men of good reputation. In other words, find the kind of men who we can trust as stewards because there's a lot of money that's about to come in through their hands. That's why, that's why the Bible tells you when a man desires the office of bishop, he can't be uh, greedy or, fi or filthy lucre. A guy's going to be a deacon. He can't be, he can't be covetous. A person who's all into money because what they'll be doing, uh, they'll be back in the back while they're counting the money and, and, and you know, God, this for you, this for me. This, God, this for you, and this for me. We have to, we have to, we have to do them like New Jack City, Shantae. <laughs> inspect you coming in and inspect you coming out. Some of y'all, okay, shake it off your mind, shake it off your mind. So God's going to entrust us with kingdom resources, including mysteries, including secrets of the kingdom of God, including personal information. My personal information. Okay, because one thing when you're in ministry, uh, what, what if, because we all have gifts, what if God gives you a word of knowledge? You know, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, starting, starting at verse 7, the gifts of the Spirit. It mentions the, the word of knowledge. What's the word of knowledge? It's God uh, revealing some information that you wouldn't know on your own. And what if he tells you about somebody's family or tells you about somebody's life, and now you know something? You have to steward that now. Because if you're going to go start blabbing your mouth to folk about something God revealed you to revealed to you about somebody else, you're not a good student. You're not going to be trusted much longer to receive anything from God. What if God calls you as an intercessor? And when God calls you as an intercessor, he's going to use the word of knowledge many times. He's going to use dreams and visions. He's going to show you things about people's lives that you're supposed to pray for, not tell folk about. So he's going to require you to be a steward over information. What, what, if, what if you're a deacon or an elder or a Christian counselor and somebody comes to your office and sits and have a meeting with you, y'all flight leaders, what if somebody comes and have a meeting with you and tell you, oh, me and my husband, we're going through this, or me and my family, we're going through this, and now you're armed with information. Y'all can look straight ahead. We're armed with information now. What do you do with that? See, because if you can't be trusted to zip your lip, then you can't handle the true things of the kingdom. When people tell you stuff, they don't mean for you to call, we're going well, we to call a prayer circle for sister so-and-so because she and her husband going through hell right now. No, that ain't why God told, gave you that. You pray. See, y'all think when I say, say stewardship is just talking about money. No, 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 no. There's a whole lot of your ministry. 
God's going to give you a lot of resources, a lot of things you got to steward. There are things people have told me I've never let come out of my mouth, not even to my wife. Because there are things, some, some things I've learned about people, I don't want her to know because I don't want her to see people differently. There are things I tell them, hey, don't tell me. Don't, don't tell me so about people. Because I got to preach people. I don't want to see people differently. That's exactly why I'm not, I'm not on social media. Because I don't know anybody, what you're going through. What, not, not, what, not what you're going through. What you're doing out there. Out there. I don't know. I don't know. Because I got to come and look at you and smile at you and be positive and have sweet lips. I already raised my voice enough. And that's with me knowing nothing. Am I right about it? So I raise my voice because I love you and I want you to grow, not because I know something. But what happens when you know something? How do you steward that? Can you be entrusted with information? Look at, look at Matthew 13. Hallelujah. Matthew 13. Let me hurry up. Matthew 13, verse 10. Because you're going to be entrusted as a kingdom person, as a minister, and uh, whatever ministry you're in, with kingdom secrets. Matthew 13, verse 10 through 12. Y'all have it? It says, and the disciples came and said to him, being Jesus, why do you speak to them, being the outsiders, in parables? He answered and said to the disciples, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries or secrets, hidden truths, of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, watch this, to him more will be given, and he will have what? But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So notice, once you are in the kingdom, he, God will reveal to you and me kingdom secrets, hidden truths, that you and I have to now steward those truths. Now that you know, what do you do with it? Now that God's revealed something to you, his plan, what do you do with it? Sit on it? No. If he reveals something to you, he wants you to do something. And if I do nothing, I'm not a good steward. Because he gives it to us on a need-to-know basis. So if you know it, you need it to know. And if you need it to know, it's because there's something you need to do. Okay, let me see if I can explain this a little more. So when you open the word of God and you're praying and, and God gives you revelation on scripture. And you go, wow, I got a revelation. Okay, what do you do with it? It's not, it's not just revelation for you just sit there like I know something. Knowledge puffs up. If God gave you revelation, it's for you to do something with it. Either share it or act on it. Or both. Y'all got it? Look at uh, 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm speeding up because I got to finish this. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2. Says, Paul says this, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and what? Stewards of the what? Mysteries or mysteries of God. Verse four, uh, 2, moreover it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Got it? Go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and what? So remember we just read in, Mark, in Matthew 13, he reveals secrets or mysteries 
Now Paul tells us we are now stewards of those mysteries. It's up to us to now to manage that, to 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 do uh, to oversee that, to to carry to have responsibility for those mysteries. Hallelujah. What do you what do you do with it? If if he's revealed to you the mysteries of the kingdom, like um, by his stripes we are healed, what do you do with that? Just know it, or do you lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Y'all quiet in this Baptist church. When you know what, what you know, do you just do nothing with it or do you share it and act on it? Because once you know it, now you're responsible for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we have to steward these mysteries, steward these secrets, steward personal information. Hallelujah. And, and if, you, if you prove yourself faithful as a steward, because it said that second verse, more grace required that a steward be found faithful. So as a steward, God must find you faithful. And if you're faithful with the little revelation, he'll give you more revelation. In other words, catch this. Are y'all listening? If you don't do anything with what you already know, He's not going to show you anything else. Oh, boy. <laughs> Ask your neighbor. Say, neighbor, what are you doing with what you already have? We got all this revelation up in this church. What are we doing with it? Because I'm required to steward it. I'm required to, to uh, use it for my master. I'm a steward. I'm under God's auspices. I'm under God's authority. So when he makes me a steward over something, he wants me to use it properly. Are you following what I'm saying to you? So we have revelation of my God will supply my needs, right? We got that revelation, don't you? So what do you do with it? Well, I, I, I keep hoarding everything. I'm stingy. Oh, you don't have the revelation yet. Because if, if you're stingy, you, you, you're, not, you're not stewarding the revelation of he will supply my needs. Because if you once you have the revelation of he will supply my needs, you don't mind giving what you have because you know it's going to come right back to you. Oh, you follow what I'm saying to you. Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It just said, more is required that stewards be found faithful. 2 Timothy 1 and 2. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is Paul talking to his son of the faith, Timothy. Verse 2, and the things that you have heard from me, notice what Paul said, the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to any man you can find. Commit these to anybody that just come into church. Commit these to faithful men and women, we, we don't include that, who will be able to do what? So notice Paul is a steward over mysteries. He now says, Timothy, you are a steward over mysteries because I've taught you these things. Now, as a steward, you don't keep it for yourself, Timothy. You find others who you can impart to them the same mysteries, the same revelation, but you got to find the right kind of people to give it to. Don't find anybody. Find those who are faithful 
Because if they're faithful, they're going to be good stewards just like you are, just like I am. And then as stewards, they're not going to keep it to themselves. They're going to now share with other people also. Are you seeing that as stewards, we don't keep information and revelation? We pass it on. We teach others. We want the whole world to know Jesus Christ. We want everybody around us to know his healing power, his deliverance, hallelujah, his joy, his salvation. Are you following what I'm saying to you? So you got to be the right kind of person, a faithful person. Got it? So I must be found faithful. Notice, notice it says, commit these to faithful men. So notice Timothy had to be looking for faithful people to share this with. You don't cast your bread to the dogs or your pearls before swine. Isn't that what Jesus said? You don't cast your bread, bread meaning the word, to dogs. People just going to mess it up, trample on it. Or your pearls before swine, lest they turn and trample on it and trample you. So in other words, don't, don't waste revelation on people who are not interested, people who are not um, going to be faithful stewards over it. No, I just want to. I just want to talk to him. Take, just teach anybody. No, 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 no. No, he he says don't do that. Find people who are faithful who are gonna take it and receive it and carry it on. Y'all got this here. Matthew ten seven to ten. Hurry up. Matthew ten seven to ten. <laughs> that that was for media. That wasn't for y'all. Just well, I'm, I'm saying to media. I'm I'm not gonna turn my Bible. I'm gonna let y'all. Help me out with this. Thank you so much. He says that as you go, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. As you go, preach, saying what? Do this. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Come on. Freely you have. Freely you have. Freely you have. Received. Then do what? So if you've received something, you're supposed to give something. That's what stewards are. We are distribution centers. So when God puts a mantle on your life, when God calls you into the ministry in any capacity, you become a steward and your job, my job, is to receive and give. Receive and give. I receive from God and I give it out. I receive from God and I give it out. I receive money and I give it. I receive secrets and I share it. I receive mysteries and I share it. I receive anointing and I impart it. I receive grace and I share it. I'm a steward. And notice he says, freely do it. I freely receive, I freely give. I don't charge you because God didn't charge me. I don't need you to pay me because God's paying me. Are you following what I'm saying to you? That's how it works, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a steward. I work for Jesus. Say it, I'm a steward. I work for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians 9, 6 to 7, uh, 16 and 17, rather. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17. I'm still, I got to read the whole thing. It says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. I'm a preacher. If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. I killed them, Doc. That's how they say it in church. Isn't that right, Brother Jeff? Killed them, Doc. 
explosive is making them alive. For I pre- if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Because remember, he's called me. He cannot be faithful. He put me in the ministry. So if I don't do it, woe is me if I don't do it. Verse 17. He says, for if I do this willingly, I have reward. But if against my will or even if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. So I have to do it. God has entrusted me with a stewardship. I have to do this. So those who want to be in ministry, those who said I have a five-fold calling, those who said, Pastor, I received my mantle a few Sunday nights ago. Great. You can't weasel your way out of it now. Pastor, I don't want to do that no more. No, 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 Too late. I think I changed my mind, Pastor. No, 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 baby. When you accepted that mantle, accepted that calling, here's the truth, uh, evangelist. That's how you know it was actually a God calling and not your idea. Because if it's a God calling, it's, you feel that woe if I don't do it. You know how people say, people in praise and worship, say I'm praising God, hallelujah. Oh, they, I, they told me not to praise, but it's like fire shut up in my bones. I had to praise, it's like fire shut up in my bones. That's not the scripture. Jeremiah says, like, fight my bones. I got to praise God. No, no, no. Jeremiah was talking about his word. Not a praise song. Not a shout and a dance. He said his word is, like, in me like fire. In other words, in other words Jer- Jeremiah is saying, I've had enough of these folk and all their hard faces, and I don't want to preach no more. But it's like fire. If I don't, if I don't preach, if I don't prophesy, it's going to burn me up. I got to preach it. Why? Because God called Jeremiah before he was formed in his mother's womb. And so if you can walk away, I contend you weren't called in the first place. If you can take it or leave it. It wasn't God. You picked the phone up. You, 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 you mailed yourself flowers. You bought your own wedding ring. That wasn't God. That was you all by yourself. But if it's God, you cannot walk away from it. Woe to me if I preach not the gospel. Woe if I don't prophesy. Woe if I don't if I don't serve. Woe to me if I don't if I don't sing. Woe if I don't sing. That's right. You wanna wanna know you wanna know how, how another way this is I'm, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just stop. You know one of the ways you know it's a God calling is because when you are in trouble or when the devil is bringing depression. Whatever God calls you to do, you do that your way out. In other words, 
you are real, you are, you're called to praise and worship if when the devil comes to you and you can worship your way out. You're called to preach if when the devil is upside your head, you can preach your way out. You're called to, to, you're, you're called to give when you're in trouble and you know, I can give my way out. I can serve my way out. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of depressed. I don't feel like serving. Maybe you're not called. Now, I'm just saying there'll be times you may not feel like it. But if that fire, you get in the midst of, you get around it. If I just get around good preaching, I get stirred up if I just get around good preaching. Because it's a calling. And I'm a steward. I can't take it back. Hallelujah. First Peter 4.10. First Peter 4.10. Look at it on your screen. As each one has received a gift. How many? Each one. Each one has received. Each one has received. Tell your neighbor, you have received a gift. Stop lying talking about you don't have no gift from God. You, each one has received a gift. Well, I don't know my gift. That don't mean you don't have one. You just got to spend more time with God till you find out what your gift or gifts are. Each one of us have received a gift. And one of the ways you begin to discover your gift is you put your hands to the plow, you start doing something. You start, you get involved and start doing something. Because you're going to be doing something. It's kind of like, kind of like when, a, when a person goes off to college, uh, they're gonna, they want to be a doctor. We want to be, be a doctor. What kind of doctor? I don't know. Okay, when we intern you, you're going to do everything. We're going to take you through rotations because you're, you're going to find something like, oh, that's it. Are you following what I'm saying to you? You want to be a lawyer? What kind of lawyer? I don't know. Well, we're going to let you go through all these different things, and you're going to find, oh, that's it. I want to be real estate law. Oh, I want that. See, so God, he, he'll, he want, he's waiting for you to get involved, put your hands in the plow, and while you're working, while you're serving, you'll say, ooh, that's it. And you'll find out you're gifted in a certain area or to do a certain thing, and all of a sudden, now you got that gift. And then he says, watch what he says. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So whatever God has gifted you in, you get involved, get busy. He's going he's to point out, this is your area right here. But once you get it, don't say, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I got it. Look at me. Look at me. No. I'm, now I'm to minister that to somebody. You know that word minister is another word for serve? I just start serving people. 
And as I start serving people, God's going to begin to magnify that gift in my mind and my heart. And I know this is what I'm called to do. Understanding I'm a steward of the grace of God. The reason why I'm gifted is because his grace is on me. I'm not gifted because I'm talented. Hello? I'm not gifted and talented. not the same thing. I know that, right? I'm not gifted because I'm talented. I'm gifted because I'm grace. In other words, watch this, watch this. You can, you can grow or develop talent, but you can't develop grace. Grace is put on you. What God will do, now listen, God, if, if God puts a grace on you he, and you are talented, he wants you to develop your talent. I, I think if you, if you play an uh, instrument, you should develop in that instrument. You sing, you ought to just be, ah, 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 you ought to develop in your singing. Huh? Make a joyful noise. That's, the, that's, that's congregational. But when you're going to sing for the audience and for God, develop in that. Right? But what happens is as you do that, his grace comes on you. And you understand you are steward of that grace. So, thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll say this and we're done. So, as a steward of that grace, I must make sure I stay in position for the grace to be on me. I must stay humble. I must serve. I must stay humble. But here's something the Holy Ghost just brought up in my spirit just now. I must walk in integrity and I must walk in holiness. Because I don't want to taint, pollute, contaminate the gift. I must keep the gift pure. In other words, God gives you the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. There are people who taint, pollute, and contaminate the gift of prophecy. And they'll, they'll, they'll have your last dollar out of your wallet, the one you had hidden behind your license. I knew, I saw that dollar. You have a dollar hidden behind your license, Brother Matthew. The Lord told me you're supposed to give me that dollar. If you want that, that blessing in your life, God needs to give you that dollar. And see, if, if, you're, if, you, if you don't keep your heart pure, you'll contaminate, taint, and pollute the gift. And drag a lot of people down in foolishness. But when you're a steward of the grace, you realize it's not me. It's the grace of God on me. That I have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of me. It's not my power. It's not my might. It's his spirit. And I'm going to do, make sure I do everything I must do to keep myself pure, holy, clean, acceptable to him so that when he flows through me, I don't dilute what he says and I don't pollute what he says. That's what stewardship is all about. Amen. Equip for the work of the ministry. Number one was submission. 
Number two. Number three. And number four. Stewardship. God calls you, and then he equips you for the call. I said God calls you, and then he equips you for the call. You understand that? If you ever go through a hiring process, when you put an application for a job, send in your resume, they're going to they're gonna peruse your resume, peruse your, nowadays, they're going to peruse your, your Instagram. They're going to Google you before they even call you for the interview. And then what they're doing, they're trying to see what kind of person you are. And they're going to they're gonna call you for the interview, whatever, and then they're going to hire you. And then after they hire you, then they train you or equip you. Is that how it works? They don't train and equip before they hire. They, they, they hire you raw, then they train and equip you. God does the same thing. He's watching us, observing us, the kind of people we are. He calls us. We accept the call, and now he equips us and trains us for the work of the ministry. Arms us. One of the, one of the words in that definition of katartizo was to fit out or to outfit. So God's going to give you your outfit for service. And when you and I do that, here's the last thing to, to know. God knows when you're ready. Did you catch that? That's how I'm closing this whole thing. God knows when you're ready. Well, I want the pastor know. Pastor, pastor, when the pastor going to call on me? God knows when you're ready. And don't make the mistake of letting somebody push you out into something that you're not ready for. Because God doesn't want you embarrassed. He doesn't want the kingdom embarrassed. So if it takes time to finish, good ribs take time. Don't, don't bring me no boiled ribs, boiling ribs. And instant grits and the best oatmeal is that old oatmeal. You know what I'm talking about? And a good cake. God has a plan for your life. He's not forgotten about you. And at the right time, he's going to bring you out to walk in that fivefold ministry that you've accepted, that mantle that you have received. You're going to walk in it. Don't be hasty. Allow him to, to work on you, and uh, he's going to make it all good for you. Amen. Do y'all receive that? All four of these lessons that we've had these last four weeks, will you give God praise if you receive that tonight? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much again for these four weeks that we've uh, shared. Thank you, Lord, for, again, the release that was made in this place. Mantles released. People accepting their call into ministry. And God, I don't know all those calls. You know. You know the gifts that you've placed in your people. But I pray, Father, that what has happened over the last four weeks is that we've all realized what must take place inside of us to make sure that we're equipped, properly equipped, properly prepared for ministry. 
God, we don't take ministry lightly. We don't take the gifts and callings lightly. Your word says gifts and callings are without repentance. So you don't take them, take them away because we're, we're not right. But when we operate in them, we want to be right. We want to properly represent you and your kingdom. We want to be found as good stewards. So I pray tonight that each person who's listened and, sh- and uh, received over these last four weeks, that God, that you'll give them the green light when it's time to go. I even ask you as a pastor that, God, you reveal to me when it's time to sometimes yank people off the bench. When people are pass ready. <laughs> they're pass ready. And they're hesitant because they may have a little fear. They may feel a little bit of inadequacy. And I know that feeling myself, Father, feeling inadequate. But Lord, I ask that, God, you give us the, 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 the wisdom to help people to step into their now, their time, their season, and operate the way you've given them to operate. I thank you that your hand is upon us. We commit ourselves, Lord, to being used by you for your kingdom's sake. This multi-generational church, oh God, that will advance your kingdom in the earth, especially in this region. And I pray, Father, that each and every one of us will find our place and operate in that place you've called us to be in. And I thank you that the grace will be upon our lives for it all. Enable us. Put us in the ministry because you found us faithful. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Why don't you lift those hands right now and just receive that. Receive that tonight. Receive a grace. Just receive a grace. Say, Lord, I receive the grace. Lord, I receive grace for ministry. I receive grace for my gift. I receive grace for my calling. I receive grace for my assignment. I receive grace for my purpose. I receive grace to fulfill my destiny, oh God. I receive grace tonight. More of you, more of you, more of you, more of you. More of you, less of me. To fulfill the assignment you've given me in my life. I thank you, Father, that I shall fulfill your purpose in my generation. That when I leave this planet and I stand before you, I will hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We thank you for it. We call it done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.